Welcome, everybody, to Sailor Snacking, the podcast where we talk about the anime Sailor Moon and we have a yummy snack. I'm Jen, and as always, I'm joined by Tracy. Hello, listeners. So, Tracy, what are we going to have as a snack today? So, we are going to have a French snack, and they're called Medlin or Petit Medlin. Sorry, my French is really awful, but we'll hear more about them at the snack portion. So, we are continuing with season one of Sailor Moon Crystal, which is the 2014 reboot of Sailor Moon. And we have our very special guest, Karina, back again. Hi, Karina. Hello. Today, we are going to be talking about Act 7, Mamoruchi. Tuxedo Mask, and Act 8, Minako, Sailor V. Oh man, these episodes just keep on flying. Like, so much is happening in every episode. It's just crazy. Like, your brain is just... So we'll start with Act 7. First impressions? Aww. It's definitely the first impression of this episode, because... Usagi wakes up at Mamaru's place, and it's nothing like creepy or anything like that, which is really good. It almost looks like he slept on the couch. But so when they first meet each other, when Usagi first realizes that he's Tuxedo Mask, it's kind of cool because she's like putting the dots together. And I feel like in classic, she never puts any dots together. Mm-hmm. And yeah. she asks, and she asks a really good question, like, "How did you become Tuxedo Mask?" So Aww. smart. <laughs> Right? I can't remember exactly what the backstory, like how they told the backstory in classic, even though we didn't watch it that long ago. I feel like it's a lot sadder in this one. Did it feel oh more gosh. sad to you guys? The yes. car crash was brutal to watch. And his sixth birthday. So, oh, his birthday. So he doesn't even know that he's gotten into a car crash. All all he's being told is that his parents died on his sixth birthday on a car in a car crash. So yeah, that's he was a survivor. Yeah. Yeah. So that's pretty devastating, and also make me makes me a little suspicious of the doctor, <laughs> who's like telling him this story. Poor Memorial. Maybe maybe the doctor's from the Dark Kingdom, but I don't think we'll get too deep into that. But <laughs> <laughs> fan theory. <laughs> What did you think about this uh, this episode, Karina? I mean, overall, so my biggest impression, because I, of course, know the original so much better, is just I love Mamoru in this. Like, I had so many issues with him in the original, but he is so sweet and so kind, and he and Usagi actually have a relationship in this. And, like, you see his point and where he's coming from, and he's questioning things, and he is just not a jerk in this. I just, wow, this episode and the next one, like, goodness yeah Oof. you could definitely feel like there's a spark between them which you in classic it was more of a slow burn they started out disliking each other then gradually became friends and then gradually became in love with each other and this one it's more like that that like immediate click which is probably almost, better yeah almost like a love at first sight kind of thing and what's really sweet about mamaru's character in crystal is Usagi's more important to him than any crystal or any memories that he wants yeah. to recover. Mm-hmm. So that's very sweet again, right? Like because he had so many weird ulterior motives mm-hmm. in classic that really made us question like is he a bad guy? Is he a good guy? Mm-hmm. Um, it, was, it was always very murky. I mean, yeah, I just like, love that he's not hiding from her. Like he just lets her discover right away. Like, yes, what you experienced last night with me as tuxedo mask is me. He's not like, no, that wasn't me. I don't know what you're talking about. Ignore that yeah. tuxedo draped on the chair and the one I'm currently wearing. Uh, but like jumping right to the end <laughs> of the episode, <laughs> like we get that <laughs> moment at the beginning where 
Mamoru is like, my wish is to find the crystal and to get my memories back. And then we jump all the way to the end of it. And his wish is Usako, is Usagi. He, he mm-hmm. yes, he wants the crystal. Yes, he wants his memory back. But it no longer becomes his driving force. His driving force becomes mm-hmm. protecting her. And I love that it's not about Endymion protecting the princess. It's not about Tuxedo Mask protecting Sailor Moon. Mm-hmm. It is about Mamoru protecting Usagi. Mm-hmm. I love him coming up and so facing cute. off with Zoicite. And he does stuff. He gets punched and he does punch. Yeah, he punches Zoicite right in the face. I was like, dude. <laughs> I really like the... the- yeah, that rose weapon, right? Like, yeah. he actually... So he's a boy. It's very, very clear that he's a boy running around Tokyo at night wearing a tuxedo and a cape and a mask and a top hat, right? Like, there's nothing that's really magical about him. And so his, yeah. you know, the only thing he can use to fight is really, like, his fists, um, which makes him a completely different character, I think. It does. Yeah, there's no magic rose that comes and breaks spells and stops attacks or it's just Mm -hmm. right now it's just him and his fists. Yeah. Although I will say, though, like going back to the beginning where she's still in his apartment, I don't love when he's asking her to keep a secret. Like I get why he's doing it and I don't think he's wrong in asking her to keep a secret from the other Guardians and Luna, but... He didn't specifically say that. He was just like, hey, can you please keep this on the DL? Whereas I don't think he just, he just doesn't want the world knowing, maybe. He wasn't like, don't tell your talking cat. (laughs) (laughs) Like, I didn't think he was wrong in it. I just, (laughs) I think it was more I didn't like her choice to keep the secret. Because it's just, I get she's super torn here. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. But yeah, like you say, she's a lot more of an empathetic character in this. Like, she's not quite the ditzy, klutzy, cartoon (laughs) for lack of a better term, that she was in the 90s anime. Like you said, she's able to put two and two together a lot quicker. She has her serious moments. She can recognize those serious moments and when to act appropriately. Mm-hmm. So, and she, and by acting appropriately, it's not just her hiding and crying. Like when Zoysite has brainwashed everybody to hunt Sailor Moon and she, with no backup, transforms into Sailor Moon, steps mm-hmm. out in front of all the people and heals them. Like, she doesn't have anybody else telling her to do that. She's not crying in a corner, wishing that it didn't happen to her. She doesn't wait for Tuxedo Mask to be like, now Sailor Moon. She just does that, not knowing she has mm-hmm. no backup. Her character is so much stronger. And so I can recognize when, like, I can see why Mamoru is attracted to her, right? Like, there's there's more to be attracted to. <laughs> yeah. Um, and and what whenever he's thinking about her, it's always about, like, her strength, positivity. Mm-hmm. So these are, like, really good qualities that he's attracted to rather than this, like, weird, mysterious, we used to be together yeah. in a past life. Like, he's really into her and not just mm-hmm. her personality. So that's super sweet. Because I always found, like, when we went back in the last season and watched that arc, it was they were anim- just animus towards each other when they were not in their superhero disguises and then liked each other to some extent. I mean, she liked him as Tuxedo Mask, and then all of a sudden it's revealed he's Endymion and she's the princess, and then he's gone. Like, it just didn't have much of a buildup. It was like, but you don't like each other. So this is just seeing them come together. It's so sweet and... 
Yeah, it was more like, of a one-sided crush in classic. It was. Whereas, like, he really likes all of her. And they're not hiding from each other in this at all. Mm. It's so open and honest and healthy. I, I have to say, it's really nice to not see Naru being directly targeted in this series. <laughs> that is really nice. But she still gets a little bit of trauma. Like she in does. this episode. But I feel like in the original series, Naru was used as that vehicle to bring out Usagi's emotional intelligence and push her into doing the things she's doing. Where Usagi, like we were just saying, like she just steps up and does it in this one. In classic, really, Naru was the only one that cared about Usagi. Like even the other Sailor Scouts, they were like, oh, she's so ditzy. Oh, she's a crybaby. Oh, she needs to step mm-hmm. up and be Sailor Moon and... Naru was the only one who really liked Usagi for Usagi because she didn't know about Sailor Moon. So that's why it feels like they had to use her as the bait for a lot of the traps. Mm. But in this one, yeah, Usagi is able to step up on her own and doesn't need that extra push of save your friend. She's just able to recognize what she needs to do and do it, which is nice. Mm -hmm. And also, you know, less filler episodes means less Naru trauma. True. (laughs) Although they still snuck in Umino being a creep. Oh, yeah, that was, like, over-the-edge creepy, too. Like, all in black with, like, gold eyes and smiles. Like, ugh. So it's really weird because it's, like, they know he's creepy. And then I think it's, like, Luna's... I think it was Luna who says he's being creepy in a more aggressive way. Like, they weren't... Like, they didn't even trigger that he was being... That he had been brainwashed because he's always so creepy. Yeah. (laughs) He's just more aggressive today. What is up with that? Yeah, he's still creepy. Don't get me wrong, but now he's aggressively mm. creepy. Yeah, <laughs> and I like that they flat out call it creepy. Like, there's no ifs, ands, or buts. He is referred to as creepy, and it is fair and deserved. And I don't like you, Amino. Go away. It's kind of nice that he doesn't have as big of a role. Um, I mean, I'm sorry for any Amino fans out there. I don't think there, there are any. <laughs> yeah, they... find me one. I don't think they exist either. I'm a Tracy. <laughs> yeah, like if you are an Amino fan. Like, let us know on Instagram. Mm-hmm. We promise we won't judge. Well, we'll we, try we, we definitely will. But we might have you on the show. <laughs> to explain yourself. Yeah. Please do have them on. Because I re- genuinely like to see another side of Umino. Please prove me wrong. I, I think mean, everyone has some redemption. Better. And I'm dubious on Umino. So please prove me wrong. He's way more of just... A background character in this. I feel like Naru and the other two girls, whose names I don't remember, they are definitely, and Umino, are way less prominent. But they don't feel like they were just shoved into the background. It feels like they were always in the background and that's just where they stayed. Whereas before it felt like Naru was way more important and then gradually just got pushed back. Mm-hmm. Here she's she's still important to Usagi, but you don't see that part of Usagi's life as much. Because there's like so much happening with the like Dark Moon Kingdom, right? There's less filler. Um, can we talk about Zoicide as well, too? Like, Zoicide is so much more effective in this <laughs> yes. than the classic. Like, I mean, Zoicide was just whiny and fighting with people. Zoicide's allies in the original. And this one, like, Zoicide, like, this is a good plan. Like, yeah, Zoicide was is... petty and vengeful in classic. Yeah. Mm-hmm. All of the generals seem to be working more effectively together in this than mm-hmm. they did in classic. Yeah, they're not like sniping at each other or they trying they're not trying to kill each other off, which is yeah. essentially what they were doing in classic, trying like, to be the favorite child, right? Yeah, mm-hmm. like in the last one Beryl even rescues Zoicite. So 
like they're they're a more united front although as we did it was it this one or the next episode we find out that beryl doesn't really want to give the world to metallia right that's the next episode yeah Yeah. we'll get there snack first (laughs) let me have my sugar please at the very end v shows up yeah we get sailor v and she introduces herself as the princess i think she does a beginning of the next episode but yeah she does show up yeah She's yeah, got the I, crescent moon on her on her forehead. forehead. She's the one and, who saves uh, Usagi, so which is triggers uh, Mamoru's "I couldn't save her," which yeah. becomes important in the next episode. Yeah, she just shows up, and you're just like, "What the hell?" And then uh, we have all sorts of stuff to talk about in ne- the next episode about that. <laughs> yes, lots of unpacking. This is a good episode. I really, mm-hmm. I really enjoyed seeing Mamoru's backstory, and like we said talking about the developing feelings between Mumaru, Mamoru and uh, Usagi. Like, I've always really loved classic. It's very nostalgic for me. Mm-hmm. I grew up watching it. But, like, I am loving Crystal. Like, it is so good. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I'm with you. Like, I mean, I'm always going to love the classic, but I agree. Like, I love Crystal. The characters together, like, it just doesn't have all those stupid 90s tropes of girls being animus towards each other and fighting. Like, I like this the characters in this so much better. To me, they're two, they're such different shows that mm. I really, I mean, we are comparing them, but I really don't think that I would say I prefer one over the other. I think I like them both. For different reasons. Yes, I do see them as different shows, for sure. Because yeah. it is so different. Yeah. If we ever get into the Pretty Guardian Sailor Moon live action, it's another totally, it's completely different from both the things that we've seen so far. And again, I like that show for a completely different reason. Because <laughs> mm-hmm. it's so bad, it's good. It's, it's yeah. awesome and awful. I love it. I so, think for me is just, you know, I really, I just love the themes of friendship and love being represented so nicely here mm-hmm, that as much as I love classic and I'm always going to love classic, I just really feel mm-hmm. like I'm just loving Crystal and I might even prefer it just because I find those, the way things are portrayed in classic so hurtful and destructive that yeah. seeing it here in such healthy ways is just it, it just brightens my heart and it's just it's just such a different like the way it's differently done because of the the time right like the mm-hmm. 90s are totally different from 2014 so i really like that it's been updated to reflect the more modern mm-hmm. world and they didn't just do a rehash of what it was in the 90s because yeah like you said that that does not go over anymore as well as it did in the 90s oh for sure <laughs> it has it, aged in some ways very badly <laughs> it really mm-hmm. has it's true it's so true you're right because there's so many things that i've been revisiting from my teenage years that in the 90s were totally fine and now watching it in a 20 20- 21 perspective is just oof, not okay but at the time it was fine yeah so i really love that i mean sailor moon was long overdue for an update i'm really glad that they did it but yeah they are two completely different shows and they are both products of their time so i think that even though we are comparing them um you you really do have to judge them separately but comparing is still fun <laughs> i mean that's so true because it just was such a 90s thing to have teenage girls pegged against each other and friends and it just it's definitely something you know mean girls really addressed back in 2004 and has really been taken forward more and more and more since then and I just it's not something I see this younger generation being into that trope 
So it's nice to see that's going away. Mm-hmm. Amazing. Yeah. Right? Yay. Progress. Woo, progress. We're not as bad as we were when we were teenagers. Woo. <laughs> Honestly, if you knew me when I was a teenager, that is such a good thing. <laughs> yes. <laughs> All right. So shall we move on to our snack break? Yes. Yes. Please. So, today we are having Medlin. Um, We got them from different places. So, I have my own pan. I love making them. I've tried many different recipes, but if you're going to try making them at home, I really recommend Julia Child's recipe because it is the easiest with the least amount of steps and refrigerating and all kinds of stuff like that. So, do a quick Google for that. Um, But they are a very... They're very... French, like they're synonymous with um, French desserts and culture, um, and they were made popular by Louis the Thirteenth, which I feel like he was making a lot of things popular, <laughs> <laughs> right? Um, but the history goes that they started somewhere in the 1700s um, by a young girl who just made them. Her name was Madeleine, so that's why we call them that. And I really wanted to know why they always come in this like shell kind of look Mm because they're always kind of like shaped like a like a I don't know Ariel's like a shell like like Ariel's little bra that she wears in Little Mermaid but um, (laughs) I couldn't find anything as to why they were shaped like that or why they even had pans shaped like that in the 1700s so that's unfortunate but they're essentially like a little sponge cake let's try some Mm -hmm. so mine I got from Metro they're La Petite Breton is the brand because I don't have a pan and I wasn't going to buy a pan just for this. <laughs> Mine are from Starbucks. I got both the Petit French Madeleine as well as the chocolate dip because life is busy and this got me out of the house, which was fantastic because we're mm. still in lockdown. So apparently traditionally you would eat these like hot right out of the oven for breakfast mm. or I guess like cold for like afternoon tea. Yeah, they're a little dry, so I can see why having them with a tea would be good. But literally, I can eat these, like, any time of day, and they're so yummy. Yeah, when Mm. lockdown is over, Tracy, I want to come over and we can make some, because I'd love to try them fresh out of the (laughs) oven. Mm -hmm. Um, From from the grocery store, they're pretty good. They taste like, Mm -hmm. mine tastes like lemon sponge cake, uh, a little bit dry, but really good, like... They're they're more like cakes than cookies. I thought that they were more cookie-ish, but they're definitely cake. Mm. How are yours, Serena? Mm-hmm. They're quite delicious. I mean, they're pretty light. I do agree. I feel like Tracy's fresh ones out of the oven are probably just melting in her mouth. Because <laughs> when you bake them fresh, they kind of get like a nice little crust on them. Because mm-hmm. there's so much butter in these. Like, mm-hmm. they are mostly butter. There's only two-thirds of a cup of flour, but like four ounces of butter. It's mostly butter. <laughs> <laughs> it is so good. I made the mistake of mine of looking on the package and vanilla flavoring mm, is one of a the lot ingredients. Of so I think if I was to make them, I'd make them myself because if you've Googled vanilla flavoring, you just want to do that again. <laughs> That's so funny because I've been seeing that online a lot lately. This would be so, yeah. really nice with um, a hot drink, like a tea or a coffee. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I can I see about the whole bit about table. buying a whole bag of them is that Whereas I didn't not eat the whole bag, I can have them for mm. breakfast tomorrow with a tea. Mm-hmm. I bought two packages of three, and uh, yeah, I don't know if they're going to last through this podcast. 
So if you hear rustling, it's just me. But if you've listened to the podcast and beyond before, you've heard rustling anyways. All right. Shall we move on to Act 8? Minako Sailor mm-hmm. V. Ooh. So oh God, we finally so have good. the appearance of uh, Sailor V. Sailor Venus. Mm-hmm. Although they don't call her Venus for this whole episode. They only call her Sailor V. She tells them that she is Princess Serenity. This is like so much information coming at us in a in a 24-minute episode. It's like... Um, this episode did not stop. It did not. And when you get to the end, it's kind of like, what? No, I want more. <laughs> yeah, I know. It's, talk about your cliffhanger ending. Right? Oh my gosh. <laughs> so Sailor Moon gets a new tiara. Let's talk about fashion first. <laughs> Ugh, don't I don't like know. It. It's kind of um, ugly. Mm-hmm. It looks like I'm horns. It really does. No, I'm, not a, I'm not a fan either. She's some kind of like a bison now or something. <laughs> Albeit they're golden. And we don't get but still. Sailor V in her Sailor V costume. She is comes right away wearing, wearing her Sailor Venus costume. Mm-hmm. Um, personality I'm... is so different. Oh, I know. Um, I mean, like, I kind of loved Monaco in the classic being kind of boy crazy. But now when I really think about the personalities, thinking about what gave them personalities in classic was always being so boy crazy. And now I'm thinking, like, that wasn't a personality. That was all of them being painted with the same brush, loving and crushing boys. So Mm -hmm. this is really nice to see them have, like, real personalities and real focus and determination which is definitely what Minako has like she has Mm -hmm. a secret mission she doesn't really know if she can trust these girls at this point right Mm -hmm. Um, and so we can see how their friendship develops a little bit which is kind of nice yeah and that's one of the things I I really like about Crystal Over Classic I got to say is uh not just Minako, but Makoto, Sailor Jupiter. I love that her personality, and I think I've mentioned this before, is less bully, thug, and more mm-hmm. girly. Because that was her whole thing, is that, yes, she's super strong, but she's very girly. Mm-hmm. So, But yeah, Minako, I, it's almost like a 180 in this, from what mm-hmm. she is in classic. Yes. She's still very confident, right? Because she was confident in classic. So I think that that is just that personality trait is coming through a little more clear. Mm -hmm. It's interesting because in classic, we're used to seeing Tuxedo Mask being the one that's not trusting others. But in this episode, it's very much Sailor Venus who's having trouble trusting. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And it's also very clear that Monaco is the only one who knows what's going on, right? And Artemis. And Mm -hmm. Artemis. Sorry, only human who knows what's going on because, (laughs) (laughs) you know, she's very aware that the seal, the memory seal is going to be broken and she knows there's something about Kunzite's past that Kunzite doesn't even know, right? Mm. So that... That is really interesting because in Classic, we don't really get to see too much of Kunzite before they were the generals of the Dark Kingdom. Yeah, we so. don't really see anything in Classic about them. Mm-hmm. We, don't we don't even know, know their generals. Like, we yeah. know their generals, and that's it. Like, we have no backstory in Classic, despite all those episodes. Yeah. But, and... yeah, so she's, like, she, like, tips us off and tips Kunzite off to start thinking about what she could possibly mean by that. Which led to the debate of how much does Minako really know? Because mm-hmm. at the beginning of the episode, I thought, okay, she knows that she is not the princess. She knows that she's a decoy, but I thought she didn't know who the princess was. 
But at the end of the episode, I mean, is she so concerned about Sailor Moon falling off of the building because and jumping in front of them to save them because she's Sailor Moon or because Venus knows that she's the princess? Yeah, that confused me, too. Like, it's clear she knows more, but I'm not convinced she knows everything but she definitely knows so much more because I don't understand why she is having so much trouble getting to trusting them when she clearly knows more and knows that she can. Like I get part of it's her mission, but yeah, that's very true too. Why isn't she trusting them if she can remember them? Yeah. Like I don't feel like she has her full memories back, but she's, and she's so duplicitous. Like the face that she presents to Usagi and the others as the like cheerful, you know, smiling princess. And then as soon as she walks away from, from them that mask fails fades off and that's when she's like i have to do this on my own i have to i can't it's so i'm a middle different. school student student just like you <laughs> and then yeah. like, end scene i do like that artemis does get into speaking with luna about how part of her memory is sealed because that was always a question I had in the original. It, why she remembers certain things and doesn't others. So I like that it's actually addressed here directly. Like we sealed part of your memory. So I like that it makes a little more sense now. So yeah. before, so in classic, clearly Artemis and Monaco know a lot more than the other sailor Shenji. But it's never really explained why. But at least in Crystal, the reason why she knows more is because she is the decoy. So it makes more sense. Yeah, she would need to know more in order to effectively be the decoy. It makes more sense for Una to have part of her memory sealed away so that she only knows enough to gather the Guardians together, like Artemis said, Mm -hmm. and not to know that there was no Sailor Moon on the moon and that Usagi is most likely the princess. So interesting. I think this was our first time when Usagi is dreaming and we see Endymion. Like, have we seen Endymion before? We haven't. No. So yeah. these are the, the memories, right? So the seal is like breaking slowly. It's not like a full memory overload, mm. I don't think. And what I really like is that Usagi's having these dreams and then Mamaru is also having these dreams and they're both mm-hmm. confused because mm-hmm. it seems like they are... So Mamaru is like, what? it feels like someone's calling me in this dream, but who's calling Endymion? And then Usagi kind of has that same reaction. She's like, mm-hmm. it feels like someone's talking to me in that dream, but who's Serenity? And I love it and that she's all... like, oh, it's probably because we just met the princess, that that's why my subconscious is making me think of the princess. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. But I like that she's questioning and saying, like, he called me Serenity in the dream. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So I love Mamoru Usagi's scene in the park. Oh my gosh. Oh, yeah. sweet. I was just waiting. I'm like, uh-oh, is he going to be like, I can't be in love with you anymore? It's you know, like, cause mm-hmm. that's a dick move that he does in Sailor Moon R a lot. Mm-hmm. But he does oh, yeah. it. <laughs> they talk it through like reasonable human beings. Like way yeah. more, I mean, way more reasonable than any teenager. Way, way more reasonable than most like people in their 20s or 30s. I would oh think. yeah, I was not that reasonable <laughs> in my 20s. Definitely not. Oh, actually, for my most of my thirties too. I'm proud to say at forty, I finally hit adulthood. (laughs) Took a while, but I got there. It's overrated. It really is. It's boring and expensive. 
<laughs> and anytime you want to spend money, you have to plan for your future because retirement is coming. Anyways. <laughs> Whoa, that's <a> <laughs> Back to this lovely fantasy world because I'm getting too heavy here. Anyways, their scenes are just absolutely lovely. I just, I thought it was so sweet when she was so, quest- when she was questioning and blushing because he said he had something of hers and didn't say what it was. And she's like, but I didn't leave anything. It just was so cute when she offered to give the the locket back, and oh, I loved it. Yeah, and then it's what's so cute is he was like, "Just keep it. We'll trade mm-hmm. next time." It's almost like trying to see her again, right? He like, was yes. I know it's, it's too so sweet. cute. And mm. then it kind of we're gonna jump right to the end, but it kind of accumulates at the end where. He saves Usagi and she like throws her her arms around him because I guess I mean it must have been freaking terrifying falling mm-hmm. off a building. And then yeah. he saves and she's like, Oh my god, he saved me. And then she kisses him. <gasps> and I, I love it that it. she's the one who initiates the kiss. It's not mm-hmm. him going after her. Mm-hmm. Yeah, agreed. Because and he seems so surprised but so delighted. But I just loved seeing her kiss him because I can't think of any time in the show where it isn't mutual or he's not initiating it. Mm-hmm. Did he like, kiss her in the masquerade episode? Do you remember? If, he if did. He she was yeah. unconscious. So yeah, yeah. He, that, he's not right. perfect in this, but he's pretty darn no. close to. <laughs> He's getting better, right? Yeah. yeah. But my favorite part of that kiss, it was almost like a kiss, and then she was like, now go hide while the girls fight the bad guys. <laughs> yes, <laughs> that was great. Um, just... So it's almost like that that role reversal of like, okay, that damsel in distress. <laughs> You're the damsel. Sorry, honey. I know you just yeah. saved me from this building, but let the sailor Senshi take care of this. I mean, we know he's brave. He's willing to jump in. But we also know he really yeah. has no powers in this. And no the girls powers. are the ones who need to protect him. Mm-hmm. <laughs> okay, I'm jumping around again. Because before we get to that final scene, we get a little bit about Beryl in this, don't we? Yes. Oh yes. We get a little bit of a backstory. Not a lot. Mm-hmm. But enough of a history of Beryl to know that she was drawn to the Dark Kingdom. And she's mm-hmm. the one that unsealed Metallia. Mm-hmm. We don't see anything other than her hand. So we don't know if she was human before. Mm-hmm. And then Metallia's power transformed her into what she is now. Mm-hmm. It's probably a good guess. Like, yeah. I would think that she was we don't know why. She, yeah, we don't know why she was drawn to oh. the Dark Kingdom, which I'm assuming is also mm-hmm. in the Arctic, like it was in Classic. But we also know that she doesn't really want Metallia to awaken and mm-hmm. take over the, and destroy the world. Mm-hmm. This is so interesting to me. And Beryl seems to have some memories as well, too. Like, she knows they're supposed to only be four guardians and is surprised by there being a fifth and Metalia seems to have like full understanding of everything that's happened in the past yeah we get a lot more backstory of Metalia too like or at least awareness it makes me Mm -hmm. wonder where Beryl comes into play though right like was Beryl around on the moon kingdom in this version because she only unlocks Metalia the second Mm -hmm. like at this stage so where they are in history or in time right now or where why was she drawn to it is it because she had history on the moon so i really hope that future episodes we get a little bit more about beryl's motivations yes that would be so good i mean i just liked seeing more beryl in general because she's mm -hmm. a fascinating character in this and you know again despite all those episodes for the classic like we don't learn much about her she basically just sits on her butt 
Yeah. yeah, she's just like this bossy queen telling everyone to go like capture energy. But there's mm-hmm. way more to her in Crystal and in these like few episodes that we just watched. She's not completely evil or she's evil for different reasons. I love a bad guy who has reasons. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I know. I always, like- I always say when I'm watching movies and television with Brent is like, I love a smart villain. I love a villain mm-hmm. that really pushes the bad, the good guys to the brink mm-hmm. where you're, you're not sure if they're going to win uh, because they keep throwing things in their path. And, mm-hmm. but I also love a bad guy that has, like you said, reasons for being a bad guy. They're not mm-hmm. just evil because they are evil. And you all know how much I love Barrel. I love her mm-hmm. so much. <laughs> she's fascinating in this. And I loved seeing that she's just not entirely with Metalia and like she very much has her own agenda. It was so good. I, I really want to know what happens. Like, mm-hmm. okay, we will. We will. We'll get there. We will. We will. We'll get there. I also think, you know, small, excited, thing about, small thing, but, you know, closer to the beginning of the episode, we also saw Sailor Venus untransition. So I don't think we've mm. ever seen this in Sailor Moon period like in classic was seeing someone change Decide back into to their change street back. clothes yeah mm-hmm. yeah because usually just the scene ends and now they're not in their sailor scouts outfits anymore they are back into their civilian form but here yeah we mm-hmm. actually see her detransform for lack of a better term yeah <laughs> oh and we haven't talked about the command center yet like because <gasps> yeah. i know it came up in last episode but it was definitely very prominent in this episode as well too where luna is there like the command center is cool and where yeah. did it come from like I did it know. come from the moon and how did they like get they there never say. well they get there from inside the video game arcade like yeah. they're still using the arcade as like their base but i find it really interesting that minako says it's been a while since i've been here which makes it seem like a throwback to the moon yeah so i'm just looking it up on the wiki but they don't it doesn't say anything <laughs> it just says that it's the command center located at the ga- the game center all right <laughs> but it is so cool it's like Compared to what it was in cl- in classic, where it was basically just Luna talking to Artemis in the video game, like I don't even, I still don't know why they even bothered to include that in classic. I know, like, it's just so cool here. I mm-hmm. mean, I like that Luna was talking directly to Sailor V herself, and that Sailor V identifies that. Like, it just takes that part of the deception out right away, which is nice. Yeah, it's Sailor. They were both Sailor V and Artemis are like, we've been training you through the video game. Also makes it like the video game was has like a real purpose. It's like mm-hmm. it's pretty cool because they. I- each of them gets a gets a chance to play the video games. True, while they're you're right. Out in the arcade, yeah, you're right. Because Usagi introduces Ami to it, and then they get Makoto on it. Yeah, and, and even Ray plays bring, it. Yeah, you're right. That's really neat, and I mean, great for you know appealing to Usagi and her learning style. Yeah, because <laughs> <laughs> we know Usagi spent a lot of time at the arcade. So. Yeah. And yeah, I really loved like in the the last episode, I think. No, the this is eight, seven, in episode six, when she gets her moon stick. Um, it was the Sailor V in the arcade game that shows her how to use it. Instead yeah. of Luna yelling out, use moon healing escalation, she's just she just intuitively knows because she saw it. And I'm like in the video game. Yeah. Which is it's so cool. funny. It is pretty cool. Everything has a little bit more of a purpose. Yeah. Yeah. Ooh. And yeah, if they have to keep the episode so streamlined, then that makes a lot of sense. Like they don't have room for filler. And we didn't talk about the Sailor Scout holding hands and elevating together to get to the battle. Sailor elevator. And then they use it again to rescue uh, Venus. 
Um, yes. It's kind of like a, a lower-powered sailor teleport that they had in Classic. Yeah. Question I have for this. I mean, they're definitely more spry in this. I'm not sure if they're jumping and kind of suspending in the air or if, like, they're elevating. Like, they're definitely not flying, but I'm just, I'm kind of they're confused. jumping. It seems like they're jumping. Yeah. It seems like when they're in the air, there's like a bit of momentum there. And they just fall very slowly because mm-hmm. they are very, very thin magical. and light. <laughs> no, because they're oh. magical. Okay, because they're magical. Also, they can jump super high. So they when, can. And, and even Mamoru can. So when uh, Usagi is like, you stay here, hon, and, and let the big girls fight, she just leaps straight up to block to put herself in the path of Kunzite's attack. And Mamoru does the same thing and just leaps straight up. Mm. I'm like, God, these people are springy. Okay, so maybe he does have some superpowers, but maybe he doesn't know how much of it. I'm wondering. Yeah. Like, because I mean, clearly he... he can jump high, and if people. Yeah. If he can just jump that high, then he should be in the NBA, right? Yeah. I mean, I, eventually, yeah, I... eventually he does get a superpower, and I don't know if they'll do it in Crystal, but they he gets Tuxedo the Smoking Bomber. Oh. Uh-huh. I, I, I'm interested. I agree. Like, I think he does have some kind of power. He's definitely nowhere near as powerful as the girls, but... Yeah. yeah. He was able to throw a punch that was hard enough to kind of at least shock Zoosite, mm-hmm. who is True. powerful. I'm just looking it up on the wiki. Apparently he does have... <laughs> Um, but I I mean I really <laughs> like that I've watched classic and I've watched classic recently and this is still surprising me and giving me new things to look at and be interested in I mean the only complaint I have is you know there's not enough nephrite but and he's not as you know he's not doing it for me in this like he was in the classic so points to classic for nephrite oh yeah looks like we are going to get to see tuxedo the smoking bomber I don't know when Ooh. but eventually um <laughs> update I did eat all of my battlelands they're all, oh. they're all, all, all six. Yeah. All nice. six. I'm not going to apologize for the wrestling because they were delicious and I'm not sorry. <laughs> I, I stopped eating them because I, I'm going to explode. <laughs> also, I ran out of water. So yeah, the cliffhanger for this episode. Zoisite attacks. Jupiter saves Venus thinking that she's the princess. He attacks again and Moon jumps up in front of them again mm-hmm. thinking that Venus is the princess, which to me is the fatal flaw in this plan. And Moon is fully prepared to ki- to sacrifice herself so that the princess can survive, which is what the Sailor Scouts should be doing. With the look on, on Minako's face, I mean, she knows that. Us- I'm pretty sure that's like she knows that Usagi is the princess at that point. I was like, I do knows. too. Yeah. And I think she's realizing the flaw and not trusting them because she should have yeah. let them know at the beginning of the episode when she first came to the command center that she was not the princess in the decoy, but then just, you know, maybe even just lied and said, well, I don't know who the princess is, but I have to pose as the princess for now. Mm-hmm. Although in all and- fairness, though, if she, even if they know, then Sailor Moon still has to protect her so i mean it's not a great plan but then we get mamoru tuxedo mask jumping in front of usagi to save her and he got no powers so mm-hmm. yeah it, it basically ends with with him maybe dying not dying but we don't know <laughs> mm-hmm. yeah he's not dead oh good <laughs> i don't know i'm pretty sure he doesn't die I don't know. <laughs> I wonder if he gets kidnapped by Beryl and brainwashed in this one too. I'm I'm curious and excited to find out because mm-hmm. I really I don't like that part sad. of classic. So yeah, yeah it's gonna break the like, heart if it happens here because he's like not bad, right? Whereas like I didn't really whatever in classic, right? Because he was a bad guy. I mean, yeah. I didn't like Memoru in classic, but I sure liked Endymion. <laughs> well, I probably in the next two episodes we'll we'll get 
more about the the Moon Kingdom, I'm assuming. Well, before I segue seamlessly into this, uh, do we have anything else we want to say about Episode 8? No, I think we talked a lot about it, yeah. Yeah. I'm going to be good, and I'm going to wait until you guys record the next episode to watch the next episode, but I really want to put it on right now and watch it and find out, but I won't. (laughs) So the next two episodes, Act 9 and Act 10, are called Serenity Princess, and Act 10 is called Moon. So I'm fairly certain in those two we're going to get the history of the fall of the Moon Kingdom and the fact that uh, Usagi is Princess Serenity because that just makes sense from those titles. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I was concerned about the fast pace at the beginning of this, of watching Crystal, but now it's just like, I'm like raring to go. I want to know what happens next. I'm glad there isn't like 17 filler episodes between the, the, what just happened and what's going to happen in the next episode. Mm-hmm. Well, Thank you very much, Karina, for being on the show again. In case everyone didn't hear about your Instagram last time, do you want to share it with everyone again? Oh, yes. Rena is kind of tall. Feel free to come follow me there. (laughs) Great. Um, And thank you so much again, our listeners, for listening. You can find us on Instagram at Sailor Snacking or email us at truenorthnerds at gmail.com. Or follow us on our Facebook at True North Nerds. So thanks for listening, everyone. Bye. Bye. Bye.